The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Uh, well, we've, uh, we took a break last week as uh, uh, Dr. Anderson was here with us. Uh, we are returning again this morning to the book of Luke. So let me invite you to get uh, back to the gospel according to Luke. We're concluding the first chapter this morning as we look to Zacharias Benedictus is what it's called. Uh, open with me to Luke chapter 1. Uh, and as you're going to Luke chapter 1, we're looking specifically at Luke 1 at verse 67 through the end of the chapter. And as you're turning there, let me uh, just remind you something of the context of how it is that we arrived here. Zechariah is a priest, an elderly priest, and he and his wife Elizabeth are married and have uh, no children. But the, prof, uh, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah uh, when he was on temple duty and said, Zechariah, you and your wife will have a son, and his name will be called John. He will prepare the way for the Messiah. And Zechariah just simply didn't believe what he heard uh, because his response was to say, how could this possibly be? And he was struck, unable to speak until the birth of his son. And what we saw two weeks ago was uh, the young boy, John, being presented uh, back for the ritual of circumcision and his name being given. And conventionally and culturally, his name should have been after his father, his name should have been essentially Zachariah Jr. But when Zechariah speaks out to say his name is John, the, 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 the divine discipline of his silent lips was lifted, and then he speaks out this song of praise that we're going to be looking at today called the Benedictus. Uh, the Benedictus is so called that because the first word of it in verse 68 is the word Blessed In Latin, it's benedictus, and so this song of praise is called uh, the blessing. Uh, so this is how we get to Zechariah speaking this song. And just ahead of seeing it for ourselves, you can think about this for a moment. If you were struck silent for nine months, and all of your life was happening around you during those nine months, and your elderly wife is pregnant and she never expected to be, and all these things are happening... And then your mouth is finally opened up. What do you think the first thing would come out of your mouth? Maybe you would have said, okay, five months ago you said this and I've been waiting to just this, right? What would you say after nine months of silence? So I'm glad that's over or maybe a word of complaint or a retort to an argument or whatever the case might be. But I want us to see what comes out of Zechariah's mouth because it's not only his mouth that has been opened, uh, but really his heart and his soul has been opened to see the reality of God's salvation coming into the world through Jesus Christ, which Zechariah's son John is going to be the forerunner to announce that Jesus Christ is coming into the world. So, let's see together Zechariah's uh, song of praise uh, as a conclusion here to Luke 1. But first, let's pray and ask God's blessing upon the Scriptures. Oh, great God. We turn now to you and praising you and thanking you that you give to us your uh, revelation that you have not left us uh, ignorant of who you are and what you require from us, but that you have given yourself to us in the person of Jesus Christ and with him the revelation of the scriptures by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, from the scriptures, help us to learn, help us to grow, and help us, Lord, to be uh, obedient disciples of Jesus Christ, 
for we pray in his name. Amen. And now hear the word of God, uh, Zechariah's prophecy, the Benedictus at Luke 1, at verse 67. This is the word of God. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. So may he write his truth on our hearts today as we see Zechariah's song of praise. Well, that, that really is the first thing that comes out of his mouth, right? Nine months of silence, and the first thing he does is sing. And where several weeks ago we saw Mary singing a song of praise called the Magnificat, Mary's song could really be modeled after like an Old Testament psalm, but Zechariah's song is more like a prophetic word, which is why you see that heading, Zechariah's prophecy, because he is saying what will be true as this child John is born to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And the John that is Zechariah's son is the one who we know to be John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus. And as Zechariah is taking all of this in and then speaking all of this truth out in a song of praise, there's a lot that we need to take from this by way of understanding and application about the truth of God's salvation and what he's intending to do for his people throughout time and space. But just notice that, that God has taken Zechariah from fear to faith. Zechariah did not believe what the angel Gabriel said when he came to him nine months ago. He didn't believe. And it's clear that in those nine months, he's moved from fear to faith, from unbelief to dependent trust in the God who is bringing his salvation into the world. And Zechariah believes it. And as he believes it, it overflows from him in adoration in this carol of praise and gratitude. So we should highlight some themes in this. But first, the reason why Zechariah being struck Uh, mute, unable to speak, is so significant, is because, again, he was a priest doing his priestly duties in the temple. And when the priest comes out of the temple after making the evening uh, offering, the people of God who were gathered there would have expected the priest to come out and pronounce a blessing on them, a blessing that you're familiar with. The priest would come out of the temple, raise his hands to the people of God, and say, The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. That's what the priest is supposed to say when they come out. And Zechariah, nine months ago, came out and said nothing. But this is the delayed benediction upon the people of God to pronounce this word of confidence in God's salvation to say this is what God is doing. This is a delayed benediction blessing that we see here now as his mouth is opened and his praise pours forth. It really happens in two sections. And I want you to notice how from verse 68 to 75, from verses 68 through 75, he is speaking about what God is doing for his people in bringing salvation. And he is addressing God as the one who is uh, the blessed one who is redeeming his people from verse 68 through 75. But then at verse 76, you notice that there is a change, there is a shift where Zechariah's prophetic praise is being directed, in this case, not to God, but then from verse 76 onward to his son. Right? See that at verse 76 when it says, And you, child, and the you there is his son, John, John the Baptist. So from verses 76 through 79, he is addressing his son. So from verse 68 to 75, he is addressing praise to God. And then following verse 76 through the end, he is addressing his son prophetically in the blessing of what God is doing in bringing salvation and his son's role in the whole thing. So we'll come back to this notion here in a bit. But every parent believes that their kids are special. Every parent loves to, to say how wonderful their children are and, and say they're, they're smart, they're, they're, they're kind, they're, they're you know, fill in the blank. We, lo- we love to think that our kids are special. And Zacharias certainly did think that his son was special. But we're going to come back to seeing exactly why that is the case. But first, let's see the first part of this Benedictus of blessing to God because the first part is also in the past tense. Verse 68 through 75 are addressing God and His faithfulness to His people in the past. That God has been faithful. Again, verse 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has, past tense, visited and redeemed His people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from of old. This is past tense here. And one of the things that's difficult for you and I as modern readers of the Scriptures is, is that you and I live on the other side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Zechariah was a faithful Jew who lived before that happened. And so it is hard for us to imagine the difficulty that Jewish believers would have had because we live on the other side of the resurrection and the full light of the gospel promises. But can you imagine... Having faith to believe in a reality that you have not yet seen in terms of the coming Messiah. Well, I hope you can imagine it, actually, because we still do, but they lived even before Jesus' coming and the believing in His promises. So what is it that has been promised? What is it that God has been faithful to, that Zechariah has trusted in as he looked for? Well, you see several words here. In verse 68, it's deliverance. He has visited and redeemed His people. That is, He has delivered us from our enemies also. Verse 71 and verse 74. We are saved. We are delivered. That He has visited and redeemed us. And that means, verse 71, that we are saved from our enemies. 
Verse 74, we are delivered from the hand of our enemies. That God is a Savior is what Zechariah is praising him for. He is a deliverer. He is a redeemer. And the way in which he delivers and redeems and saves is he, in the language of verse 69, which seems strange to us, he raises up a horn. You say, what? Raise up a horn, right? Like, that's not a term that we would use today. But nevertheless, that's exactly how Zechariah says that God has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. That he has lifted up the cry and sounded the horn to alert to the whole world that there is a king that has come to sit upon the throne, to drive out the enemies of the people of God, to rule over the people with equity and justice and deliver them from all of their enemies. And this is happening in the house of David, the tribe of Judah. Now, if you remember, there's a long history in the period of the Old Testament where there isn't a king. And the people of God don't have someone to rule over them. It's like they were existing in a dry spell where they were hoping for next year, next year, next year. They were like Cubs fans for 108 years. And they said, well, maybe next year is our year type of thing. Right? They were always looking forward in this anticipatory sense of maybe it's here this time as every new king came. But then there was a period where there were no kings. And the house of David has not had a king on the throne for almost 600 years at this point. But Zechariah is saying, the horn is being blasted. The trumpet sound is going forth. God is raising up a horn of salvation in the house of David, meaning the king is finally coming. You don't have to wonder if this year will be our year. Zechariah is announcing this is the year of God's salvation. And we know this because God is coming in verse 72 to show mercy. Mercy that was promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. You see, this is not a song that Zechariah is singing about how people save themselves. And it's not a song about how God helps you help yourself. God's salvation is an utter salvation. God's salvation comes with mercy and grace that He accomplishes and we receive. God delivers in a way that is utterly dependent on Him alone. And Zechariah praises God for this steadfast love, this mercy, this covenant faithfulness. You know, what this means, of course, is that Zechariah, who would have been categorically an Old Testament Jewish priest, he knew the Old Testament. And you might say, well, that's obvious, right? He's an Old Testament priest. But it teaches us the value that if we as Christian believers think we don't need to know about the Old Testament, we actually remove the history of salvation from the story of God's uh, grace. The Old Testament matters. In fact, uh, several years ago, there was a pastor down in Atlanta who was continually using this phrase that Christians need to, quote, unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. We need to be unhitched from the Old Testament because it's just a burden on us. To which Zechariah says, if you get rid of the Old Testament, you get rid of the whole prologue to the redemptive story of God's grace being unveiled in Jesus Christ. Because God is now making good on the promises sworn so long ago as told to Abraham, as told through Moses, as told through David and the prophets of old, now sworn and ratified here 
verse 70 says, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. From the oldest promises in Scripture, from Abraham all the way back to the garden, to Adam, summarizing that God's story is a story of salvation unfolding in this long-promised gospel word. And you can imagine like kids in the backseat of a long car ride, the people of God going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And Zechariah is saying, yes. Finally, now is the time when the promises told generations and generations that your mothers and fathers believed in, that your mothers and fathers lived and died not yet seeing the fullness, now your generation is the generation that will see the reality of this fullness come to pass. And this is the last thing to happen before the birth of the king, namely a boy named John. Zachariah's son, who will prepare the way for the birth of the King, Jesus Christ, the hope of the ages, the hope of every generation. So, let me wave at you and say I'm now going to take a major tangent. Okay? This is something that I am not frequent to do. And I think our context demands it, but you will know that I don't usually do this. uh, Because Zechariah is here singing about God's praise as he delivers the people of God. And you and I live in a world where many people are asking, what in the world is happening in the world? Particularly in a particular strip of land in the Middle East to the nation of Israel. Now I'm saying all this with this qualification. I am not a news commentator. I'm an expositor of the scriptures. Is there an an advantageous geopolitical reason for the modern state of Israel to be a concern for the United States as an ally? Yes. Will I say more about that? No. Because what I know about that could barely fill a thimble. But here's what I do know. That Christian believers should not be forming their biblical convictions through the lens of the news media, but rather weighing with discernment everything they hear according to what the Bible says. Now this is a topic that deserves its own time and attention, but Zechariah's song of praise is actually making this point. Which is why I am intending to make the point because the Bible is saying that everything that is unfolding in the first century, everything that Zechariah is praising God for, everything that will begin to unfold here in terms of the incarnation, life, obedience, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ is not God's plan B. As if Israel as an earthly kingdom is God's plan A, and they seem to reject it, so here comes the B team in Jesus Christ. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus is not plan B after a failed priority of an earthly kingdom. This is actually what the disciples are regularly curious about in the New Testament. You can see examples in Luke 24 and in Acts chapter 1. But hear me very clearly, the gospel of Jesus Christ is plan A and there is no plan B. The church of Jesus Christ to include both Jew and Gentile is God's purposes as the promises of the land are fulfilled in the salvation of the whole cosmos through Jesus Christ. And so what that means by way of application as I 
tiptoe into these areas. An earthly modern state of Israel as a political entity might be significant because it is a place of historical intersection of the three major world religions. That's true, and that matters. But friends, the hopes of the gospel are no more tied to Israel than they are Yugoslavia, Antarctica, or Edgington. Nevertheless, those things matter, but they don't undermine the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ coming to unfold in the fullness of Jesus Christ for the sake of the church, the gathering in of all people under Christ. So to Zechariah the priest who spent his days in the temple, all of this is pointing to a reality that is now coming to pass. Think of that for a second here. Zechariah is saying, my whole life and my whole ministry has been for this moment. That faithful believers like Zechariah looked forward to salvation as something hoped for but not seen. And the only basis for their faith was that God's word says so. And what that means for you and I as Christian believers is that we need to learn from Zechariah what it means to make the promises of God our daily bread and never to doubt that every word from God is true and even things that are yet future to us are just as true as the things that God has already faithfully fulfilled in time. What do I mean by that? When God makes a promise, say, to bring deliverance to the house of Israel, the house of Israel experiences that promise being fulfilled inside of the confines of time. But God exists outside of time. To God, there is no such thing as future promise or past promise. It's just promise. And the people of God must learn to live in the confidence that even if things are yet future, they are as sure to happen as the things that have already happened because to God there is no such thing as future or past. It is all before Him under His sovereign will. That means, Christian believer, everything that God has promised you is as sure as the air you presently breathe. Everything. Everything. That means that for us, who still live in anticipation of things yet to be fulfilled, just as Zechariah did in his time, we live on the other side of the cross and resurrection. Nevertheless, we are still anticipating a future hope, and that means that Christ will come again as surely as He came the first time to gather His people and give them the crown of righteousness to usher in the fullness of His eternal kingdom. And Zechariah knew to live by faith in those promises, and you and I must also learn to live by faith in those promises that are still yet future to us, just as saints of old have done, believing that we have even more reason to trust and to hope and learn to live according to the promises of God. Because God's salvation is sure. That's what Zechariah is singing about. The second part of this, though, is future and second person in verse 76 through 79. We said this already, but he, he moves from praising God, addressing God for his history of salvation to then speaking to John and foretelling Israel's coming redemption as the focus is on you, child. Again, verse 76 says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
the prophet of the Most High, to do what? To prepare the way of the Lord. Again, Zechariah is using Old Testament language from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 3, that the servant will come to prepare the way of the Lord. Or Malachi chapter 3 speaks of a messenger coming before the Messiah to prepare the people to receive the Lord. He is a forerunner in the language of verse 77. Zechariah says that you, son, are to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. You're going to go ahead and make ready the people of God to receive Jesus Christ, John. That's why we call him John the Baptist. And the gospel according to John speaks of John the Baptist saying in John 1, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And John was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the true light. And notice how Zechariah speaks to his son, just eight days old at this time again, remember, when he says to him, you child will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. He is saying to His son, John, you are a servant. You are a servant. And I think this is really significant as we come back to this notion of the fact that For all of us who are in contact with young people, whether they are our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews, or whether they are the children of their church, again, when all the world wants to communicate to children their utter uniqueness and their utter special place in the world, Zechariah is saying something very countercultural here, isn't he? He's saying to his son, Son, your purpose in life is to magnify the one who's coming after you. You are not the light. Jesus Christ is the light. Zechariah is this countercultural way of telling his son, you are a servant of the greater light because the sunrise is going to visit us in the language of verse 78. And John, you're not the sun. But it is your role to announce the rising of the sun upon the people of God. So in the language of Malachi verse, chapter 4, verse 2, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings because when the sun rises, the stars go out of view. And for as important and, yes, special and lovely as, as John is and your children and mine are, they're not Jesus. And actually one of the most countercultural things that we can do, and we have this in mind as we start a new rotation of communicants class, is to tell young people that the chief end for which you have been created is not yourself, actually, but Jesus Christ. And to teach young people to say that you are a servant of the true light. And that's where meaning is really found. Now, John was raised with this notion clearly. That, John, your life isn't actually about you. It's about Jesus. John himself says so in uh, the Gospel of John, John 3.30. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. Speaking about Jesus. Now, we know that when this happens, Zechariah is already an old man. We could only wonder and speculate how old did Zechariah live into John's young life before Zechariah would have died. And we don't know. But we do know that Zechariah raised his son with the knowledge 
that you are a servant of Jesus Christ. And this is what matters most of all in verse 77. The knowledge of salvation that comes to the people of God as John's whole purpose is to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this is what Zechariah is praising God for, saying, blessed be God for his salvation. And so instead of coming out of the temple on that day that he received the announcement from Gabriel to say, the Lord bless you and keep you, he is at this moment, again as a priest of Israel, saying to the people of God, the light has risen upon you and my son will announce the coming of the Savior. So this is the greater benediction upon the people of God and blessed be the God of salvation is what Zechariah is saying. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Zechariah's song of praise and we pray, Lord, that his words would be sealed to our hearts as the word of your Holy Spirit to realize that salvation has dawned upon your people in the face of Jesus Christ, which John was born to announce his coming. And Father, help us to have confidence that the church of Jesus Christ ever yet advances to spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ into all the world until the darkness flees away completely. Lord, bless your people with the knowledge of faith in the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.